Our gospel reading this morning is from Mark 1, verses 40 through 45, which is not a long passage, but it is uh, what we were just talking about in the children's sermon. This is Mark 1, 40 to 45. And before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and we thank you for your word that you've given to us. Or we ask that as we read today that you would help us in our understanding, help us to hear it and understand it, God, that we would know uh, better who you are, who we are in you, and how we are to live uh, today and every day because of what, how you have revealed uh, yourself to us in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark 1, 40 to 45. As a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Turning then to our New Testament reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Paul writing to the church in Corinth says, Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we have been following along in uh, the book of Genesis uh, for quite some time now, and we have been looking at the way in which God is fulfilling over time the promises that he made all the way back in the Garden of Eden when everything broke down. And uh, instead of people with God in, uh, in this place and in right relationship with him and with each other and with all of creation— Instead, it was all broken down when instead of listening to God, they f- followed their own, um, their own hearts, their own desires. They decided to take matters into their own hands. Everything breaks. And in that time, God then makes a promise that it won't always be this way. That there will come a time that someone will put an end to, uh, to the serpent. 
and to that relationship of evil and brokenness. And he says this is going to come through the seed of woman. And we've been following that generational uh, line ever since. And that's what the uh, rest of Genesis has been about thus far, is following that line through. And we see the way in which family after family, they sometimes get it right and a lot of times get it wrong, but God is still continuing to be faithful to this promise. And so we're still looking forward to that day. And uh, our passage for this morning is Genesis 30, 25 to 43, where we get some interaction between two people who are a part of this family. One is Jacob and the other is Laban. And uh, as we've followed the story, we found that God took this man named Abraham and said, it's going to be through your family that this promise is going to be fulfilled. And not only that, but it is through your family that all peoples on the earth will be blessed. And then Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. And we see Jacob now away from the land that God had promised them, away from the rest of his family. He's gone back to his uncle's family uh, because of some things he had done to his brother when he was younger. But now he is a little bit older. He's been married. Uh, He's had lots of kids. But he's still working for his uncle. And this is where we pick up the story. And um, just fair warning, it's a weird story. Here we go. This is Genesis chapter 30, verses 25 to 43. So after Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, Name your wages and I will pay them. Jacob said to him, You know how I have worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when may I do something for my own household? What shall I give you? He asked. Don't give me anything, Jacob replied, but if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark-colored lamb, and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages, and my honesty will testify for me in the future whenever you check on the wages you have paid me. Any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark-colored will be considered stolen." Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. That same day, he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them, and all the dark-colored lambs, he placed them, and he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they made it in front of the branches, and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but made the rest face the streaked and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban. Thus he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. 
Whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches and the troughs in front of the animals so they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Blink, blink. So several times as we've been going through uh, Genesis, I'll read something like this, and then I just say, well, go and do likewise. <laughs> because, of course not. That is not the point of this, is for us to now go and repeat exactly this. This happens at a point in the story, and it's very important. That's why, as we begin, I take us back to the beginning and remind us of the story that we are in. This particular story doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in the flow of the bigger story that's being told. And so we are on our way. We are seeing the way that God is fulfilling his promises to this family and through this person of Jacob. And then we get this weird story of bizarre breeding practices where you're putting um, striped branches in front of animals as they mate, and then this is going to somehow determine what color their kids are? Anybody here ever try this? <laughs> is this how this works? Is this... Now, a lot of you know a lot more about me than breeding animals, <laughs> but in my understanding, that's not how this works. <laughs> so what in the world is going on here? What is the point of this for us? And uh, with that... I'll give you my take on it. You might see this differently. If so, let me know. I'd love to hear it. But here's, here's my take on this. Is what's happening in uh, Genesis 30, the beginning of this section we were reading, is Jacob had had a deal with his uncle for, I will work for you this long for this, these things. Uh, and by things, I mean people. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that time is up. And, but he's still far from home, and he wants to go back home. He wants to take his family with him and go home. And Laban, though, his uncle, is saying, I don't want this guy to leave because things have been pretty good around here with him working here. It is all of my stuff has gotten better with him working here. And he says, I've learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Now, what does the whole divination thing mean? This is some sort of looking for signs and omens and that kind of thing, which the people of Israel were specifically commanded not to do. They just hadn't been commanded that yet. Anyway, so in case you're looking at this as something to copy, don't. But this is something where uh, Laban says, you know, I've figured it out that the reason that I am being uh, successful in my business is not because of what I'm doing but it's because the Lord is with you and you're with me and that's, I, I, I would like you to stay here. That makes sense, right? Then Jacob says, tell you what, I'll stay with you, but here's what you're going to pay. I will have all of the flocks that have uh, speckles or spots or depending on translation stripes i mean all that but basically anything that's not the pure white so if there are dark colored animals if there are spotted animals or streaked animals anything like that those will go to me and then you will keep all of the pure white animals and that way it'll be easy to tell we don't need to brand anything it's just 
you can just look at them and tell whose are whose. Laban says, great, that sounds like a good deal. And then they immediately both start trying to cheat each other. Did you notice this? This is not new in their relationship. (laughs) We have seen Jacob uh, being deceitful before now. We have seen Laban being deceitful to Jacob before now. And, uh, And so here we go with their old, up to their old tricks, their old patterns of behavior, and both of them trying to scheme and get their own way. So what do they do when Laban agrees? Okay, fine. You'll get all the dark colored animals, any dark on them, and I will get all the pure white animals. So what does Laban do? He immediately separates it out and takes all his dark colored animals far, far away and says, okay, Jacob, here you go with the white ones. Now you tend over those and any that have dark colors, those will be yours. See what he's doing? He is trying to ensure that he will still have all of his own flocks and those will be, uh, that will increase just fine. Jacob, of course, will still be uh, having flocks increase because, you know, God is with him. But if all he has to start with are all the pure white ones, then surely that's all he's going to have are more pure white ones. And in this way, Jacob uh, will end up with nothing and Laban will end up with everything just the way he wants it. That's Laban's trick. That's his plan. That's his scheme. Doesn't work. Jacob, of course, has his own scheme, his own trick. And what is that? That's the one we talked about a little bit ago where he's like, all right, I'll take these white animals here and then I will put them in front of, you know, I'll take strips of wood and I'll uh, sticks and peel off part of the bark so that part of it is uh, white and part of it's dark. And that way, as they're looking at these, somehow this will translate into the color of their children. That is, um, that is bizarre, even as an idea that this might work. And yet, as you read it, does it work? It appears so, doesn't it? It seems like Jacob is scheming in this way and that it actually works. This is the, uh, the types of uh, lambs and goats that are, that are being born, or those that are speckled or spotted or whatever. And so, in this way, his flocks increase. Now, as I said, this is my take on it. First of all, I think we're, we're supposed to see here is Laban and Jacob both trying to scheme and to get their own way. They're both trying to cheat the other one. I don't think that we're supposed to see that as something to be copied. But I think that we're supposed to see there's kind of this family resemblance and that this is part of the family that God has chosen through whom to bless the world, but that this is, this is what they do. And that it's in spite of what they are doing that God is still going to be faithful to his promises. And this is where we see, um, but the end of, the end of this passage this description, uh, in this way, the man, uh, man, it means Jacob, grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. We've seen that same kind of language twice before already in the book of Genesis, and we'll see it again in the book of Job as just this language of great prosperity that has been given to someone who has been blessed by God. That this is something that God has given to them. Interesting. 
Now we see that same language from Jacob, but wait, wasn't Jacob scheming to get this? Wasn't he doing, isn't he the one who made this happen? I don't think so. I think Jacob does end up with this, but not because of what he's doing. Does that make sense? In fact, if you peek forward just a little bit into chapter 31, Jacob gets this too. Apparently, this is just the summary of how things went, but the deal changed over time. And then he'll say what we're going to look at next week about how Laban changed the wages 10 times over. And so he says, um, starting verse 6 of chapter 31, You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages 10 times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore uh, streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. You hear this? Jacob isn't even giving himself the credit. He knows the stuff he was doing with the branches and all that. But when he says, and when he tried to cheat me, I just out-cheated him better. No, he's like, this wasn't what I was doing. This is what God was doing. The only reason that I've had the success that I've had is because God has been with me. Because God had determined before all of this trying to cheat each other, he already knew the outcome. (laughs) He already knew what was going to happen. This is my take on this. Again, you may disagree. You may see this as the, uh, the branch is really doing something, and maybe that's what Jacob was supposed to be doing. I don't think so. And so I see this again as yet another example of God continuing to be faithful to the promises that he has to this particular family, despite what they are doing. We sang in uh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, Great song, by the way. The first line of the second verse says, Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. This, I think, is what this passage is actually about. We see Laban trying to do whatever he can to get the upper hand. We see Jacob trying to do whatever he can to get the upper hand. But as, as this hymn says, if we're just trusting in our own strength, our own strength isn't enough. We're going to lose. That the scheming they were each doing, n- none of that mattered. It was what God had already determined to do through Jacob and his family. That's what really mattered. And that is what uh, this hymn is saying about us. Like we do all these scheming things. Think about it this way. Like I think... Uh, some of what Jacob is doing sounds more like this. If you imagine being like back in preschool and you are waiting for your parents to come pick you up after preschool and your mom has said she will be there to pick you up every day and then you're at preschool, but you don't see her there. And so you're like, I don't know if she's really going to come. Maybe I know what it is. Maybe if I spin around three times and I bite my tongue and I hop on one foot, then she'll show up. And so you do that every day. And guess what? She shows up every day. Why do you think she showed up? Is it because you're spinning around and biting your tongue and hopping on one foot? No. It's because she is your mom who has already promised to be there and she loves you and she's going to be there. And whether you have some other weird kind of superstition thing going on with it or not is irrelevant. 
this is what she said she's going to do, and this is what she's going to do. <laughs> and that's how I read what Jacob is doing with all his scheming. And this is not the first time we've seen him scheming. We've seen him scheming the whole way through. As though he's trying to earn what God has already promised to give him. Does that make sense? So now let's bring this home to us. You ever try to earn what God has already promised to give you? Think about it this way. Jesus has uh, refers to himself as a good shepherd. We are uh, referred to as sheep throughout the Bible quite a bit. Does he want only the ones with no blemishes at all? Which, which sheep does Jacob pick? The ones that have blemishes, right? The ones that have those dark spots on them. Those are the ones Jesus picks too. That's us. And he has already said, I choose you. And then we say, well, I probably have to do all these things first. And then, then he will actually choose me. No. Nope. Jesus is the one who is the spotless lamb. But he is the spotless lamb who actually gave his life for us. And as Romans 5 tells us, it's when we were still powerless that Christ died for the ungodly. Do you hear that? While we were powerless, and yet we still have this idea of, well, but if I, if I do this or if I do this, then I can earn powerless means you can't. And so we find ourselves spinning our wheels, doing things just like what Jacob is doing here that doesn't actually affect anything. And what Jesus says is, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Those of you who are spinning your wheels trying to earn what I've already given you, come to me. I'll give you rest. That we can rest in what he has already done for us. That we can rest trusting in what he has promised to do in us and through us as we walk with him day by day. This, I think, is what this passage is about. This is what I think it is about for us. Again, if you see it differently, let me know. But otherwise, for now, and let's remember that we are the spotted sheep who have been chosen, have been given to Jesus, and we are the ones that Jesus has given his life for. So let us stop spinning our wheels and start living with him. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.